Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And one and all to the CHGO Sky Show presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's number one rated sportsbook. Sign up and use the promo code CHGO when you do. Welcome back, folks. It's been an exciting weekend of Chicago Sky Basketball. He opened up the season 2-0. The WNBA is in full swing, and so are we. And here in the studio today, once again, with Stephen Garner, the man, the myth, the legend, always, always, always fresh, representing Dreamville. J. Cole will be proud. Stephen, what's up, man? What's going on, my guy? How you feeling? Always good. Always good. And our special guest today... Plainfield Central High School's finest speech and choir graduate and former Chicago Sky PR intern, Katie Duffy. Katie, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thanks for having me. Plainfield Central doesn't get a lot of shout outs, so I think they're going to appreciate that one. Seriously, <laughs> every be the single first time. one for the year, and that'll be it. So. No, man, every single time. I'd love to know where people came from because that always informs how you got where you are now. And speaking of which, Katie, I know, you. like we said, you were a PR intern for the Sky um, was that your first real experience with them? You came in at obviously a good time in their history, but um, what was really the first moment that you remember like, okay, yeah, I'm, I feel this team, I'm kind of riding for them. Uh, where, where did your, your Sky interest really pick up? It started with Allie Quigley, just like hearing her story of, you know, playing at DePaul and then continuing on with the Sky um, drew me into it before I even interned with them and then interning with them seeing the players and you know just like meeting the people that work in that organization is really where it took off and I think for a lot of us in the city and, and probably around the country the championship sealed the deal and it's like die hard they could be last place I don't care anymore like it's fine like I'm here I'm in it so it was a slow slow growth 2019 2018 is really where it took off I feel that too um, I remember when the team incorporated and I was just a guy that read the newspaper sports pages no matter what and so I was excited I was like great we got a WNBA team and those first few years as everybody kind of remembers were in the doldrums uh, say for you know picking up Candace Dupree uh, when they drafted Sylvia Fowles um, had Swin Cash for, for a, a little bit but I remember when they got to the finals, I remember being at a bar and I was like, okay, you know, I want to see a Chicago team win. But even then it wasn't, it didn't feel like that excitement, that draw was there. And then I, I was doing a story on Elena Deladon when she was really close to a 50-40-90 season, went out to a game at Allstate and the energy there really just grabbed me. I was like, okay, I want to come back and see this team. Like I want to cover this team for sure. What was, what was the moment for you, man? Like where'd you pick up this guy? So I picked them up early on just because naturally with my mom being a sports aficionado, especially with basketball, whenever we would watch games when I was younger, she would always make sure that I also watched the women's side to understand that there's more than just the men's side on the professional level or even on the collegiate level or even on the high school level for that matter. So naturally some of the players that I would see going through the McDonald's All-American um, circuit on the women's side, I would start seeing them pop up in college and then ingratiate themselves with the WNBA. So a couple of those players, like some of the players you mentioned, started coming through with the Chicago Sky. And then, of course, for me personally, it was when Sylvia Fowles came to the Sky. So, of course, Candace Parker being a hometown girl, I knew all about her, watched a lot of her games, most of them when she was at Tennessee. She had a lot of back and forth with Sylvia Fowles when they were in college. Right. And to the point where I was obviously uh, biased and partial to Candace, <laughs> I was like, I don't like, I don't like Sylvia. And then, she, <laughs> so she came to the sky when I was younger, and obviously I started paying more attention to her then. And I'm like, okay, she's not as bad as she was made out to be in college. They were just on the opposite team, so naturally they're gonna be competitive as two of the most, the best competitors that ever graced the hardwood. So, 
I understood it from that perspective, and then I started to understand and appreciate Sylvia for the amazing human being she she was at the time, and that she grew to be through the W. So. I was going to say, you'd probably be the first person I've ever heard say that they didn't like Sylvia Fowles yeah. <laughs> in some way. Yeah, that was early on, but it was because of my, my bias and my partial nature to Candace. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's the way it is. And, and I've learned in college basketball, especially on the women's side, people, I think because there's so much vitriol that's hurled at women's sports in general, people ride so hard for their teams. Like, we've seen that with uh, South Carolina and UConn, UConn and Tennessee back then still. Pretty pretty much you put UConn in any of it, the way that Gino is, has <laughs> took, taken that program from where they were in the 80s to now. They're just a, a household name in the U.S. and, and globally. But I've, I know. I mean, even, even me, like, playing band at Bradley – our men's team took a nosedive and the women's team started getting better and better. And in the band, we had to play for the games because we didn't have a football team. And I was like, hey, you know, like y'all need to come out. Women's team is good. They make they really make a game of it. They they go hard 40 minutes. And then Bradley made the tournament in 2019. Mm-hmm. And that was a good team. They played Texas in Texas. And I was on, I was online like, yo, Charlie Collier ain't nothing. We about to get it in, you know. We about to do this work, and we got bounced. You know, she was that good, but I was, I felt that, you know. I, you had to, you had to speak up and ride for your squad. You get it. Yeah. Speaking of riding for your squad, Skytown out there. I know y'all are feeling good, two and zero. No matter what anybody has said, and we'll talk about some of that um, later in the show, but. Quality wins over Minnesota on Friday night to open the season, which I said was going to be a bit of a barometer for them. And then they overcame what had to be a ridiculously loud and emotional atmosphere in Phoenix on Sunday. And actually uh, a late charge from the Mercury in the fourth quarter and won that game too. So just in general, I know we're talking about the team, but who do you felt? made the greatest impact for the sky over the weekend you know whether it was a coach whether it was a player you know anybody just on the team who did you really pick out like this was the driving force for those first two games I'm going Elizabeth Williams I mean I think she not only held her own against Brittany Griner which is never an easy task for Mm, anyone mm -mm. Um, but she's the defensive anchor of this team and I don't think I expected that when we picked her up like such an underrated pickup I did not expect her to be this good this big of a part of the team at this moment but yeah she's our defensive anchor early on she's already leading the team in rebounds and steals per game I mean it's two games but still like that's that's a big that's a big task especially when you have somebody like Rebecca Gardner on the team who had four steals in the first game right so for you to be leading the team in steals that's that's a big deal for her so I yeah she's my performer of the weekend my performer of I think you could argue the whole season I really honestly think we're looking at like defensive team potential um she hasn't been named to it since 2020 but I really think that's what we're seeing out of her this year and I think you make a great point because like you mentioned it's only two games but even with that small sample size as you both know I think especially when you have a roster that had a lot of turnover from a previous rendition to a new one one of the most important and most emphasized things for coaches like James Wade and Ray Vattensever um and Waters role definition mm. and role definition is going to be it's going to have to be there as a template for everything else because that's where you're going to generate buy-in and that's where you're going to be able to figure out who to depend on in certain situations and scenarios, whether it be a veteran, whether it be a younger player, whether it be somebody like Elizabeth that's a defensive anchor and has proven to be that. Um, that's where you kind of piece together those things and you figure out the identity of your team. But you can't get an identity until a role definition is stamped and everybody understands the paradigm that comes with that on both sides of the floor. And, of course, naturally, a James Wade-led team is figuring it out on the defensive end before anything else. <laughs> so, yeah, surprise, surprise there. No, I was – I mean, I, I, I thought the defense would have to be the sky's calling card, but I was right there with you. Um, I didn't realize how much of a presence that Elizabeth Williams was on the, in the middle of the floor, and it showed in the defensive rankings um, when they – you know, after the first weekend finished up, it was really, you know – it worked out that all these teams played over the weekend at least one game. So you could get a sample size, but even a small two-game sample size, the Sky are right up there in defensive rankings, um, both in steals 
like you said, Rebecca Gardner, Elizabeth Williams, but you can see the buy-in from the entire team um, on Friday night, the way that they press Minnesota at the wings and the way that they, the ball pressure, um, which actually leads into my, my performer of the weekend was Dana Evans. Uh, everybody out there wanted Dana to get time this year. And Dana's finally gotten time, whether it's as a starter, whether it's as, um, you know, kind of that third, that third quarter, like microwave that she had been at, at times last season. And we knew Dana could score, but it was going to be important for her to be able to stick those taller guards. That's what I had. That's what I had wondered. And she has been a lightning rod in terms of just focusing this team's defensive energy. Um, Steven, you were on the playback with, with me and James K on Friday, and we really talked about how it's Dana's job to pick up the ball either at half court or 30 feet past that, you know, in the front court. And she, the battle that she and Shook Sutton had in Sunday's game, yeah. like throughout the middle quarters, was amazing to watch. Like, that's why I love watching basketball, seeing the defensive intensity. And she answered the call and not only was able to do that, she's not just a specialist. She was hitting clutch buckets early and she was hitting clutch buckets late. So she hasn't had a good shooting start technically by the numbers, but she's shooting with supreme confidence and playing defense. Kalia Copper even said it um, in the postgame presser on Sunday like it means that much for for the sky to have Dana pressuring the ball being that lead guard and she got a nice dap from James Wade on that too so yeah Dana Evans is my person for the weekend yeah man I think both of you make great points with your specific picks and with Dana actually had a chance to ask her after the game on Sunday uh, what kind of goes into her mindset in terms of why she's picking up three-fourths quarter sometimes even extended it past that to the inbound line and then defending for the entire 94 feet. And she said, honestly, it's just about setting the tone for the most part. And, uh, of course, that got nods from James Wade and Kalia Copper, who were up there at the podium with her. And she just kind of went into detail about how it helps to bleed the shot clock, make the opposing team apply pressure to them defensively and give them less time on the shot clock to work with, which expedites all of their reads. It gives them less time to get into secondary and tertiary actions and all of that stuff. So, yeah, Dana was a great pick. And, um, Again, shout out to her for playing and persevering through the tragedy that she had with her family, mm. with the family member being um, being unfortunately taken away from us and um, just being able to detach herself from the team for a day while they're on a road trip and then come back with the team and perform in the manner in which that she did on Sunday. That speaks to mental stamina, mental fortitude, and just really says a lot about her character, how much she loves the game. Because, you know, no one, no one would have batted her eye if she decided to step away from the team um, stemming from that. So the fact that she showed up on the road and did what she did in crunch time and then she played in a different role as well with Marina Mabry being out for right. that game. Like, there's a lot of stuff that went into that. So a big-time salute to Dana Evans for just being just a remarkable human being that's just showing a lot more character on the court than we already knew she had. Uh, my, I kind of went twofold for my weekend, uh, my weekend pick. And for me, it was between Morgan Birch and Alana Smith. Okay. Because... So, of course, in light of Isabel Harrison's um, injury news at the beginning of the week, or in the middle of the week, rather, uh, that naturally put those two in a different role than they were expected to be playing for this team when they were signed. So, of course, you have to figure out, okay, who's going to start and what type of minute load can they take on and how can they ingratiate themselves with different lineups than they were expecting. With those two, we saw so much between their versatility on the defensive side of the ball, being able to switch, being able to protect the basket when Elizabeth Williams was out on the perimeter defending, um, filling lanes in transition, rim protection, making plus one passes, uh, scoring. Alana had, was it five threes in the first game? Yeah. And, and then in the second game, her and Morgan were able to chip in and just completely help to tilt the scale further and further in favor of the sky. And then on top of that, just the defensive activity with deflections and just knowing where to be positioning-wise in a multitude of scenarios, it was unbelievable to watch those two kind of play interchangeably where one is on the floor, and then while she's taking a break, then the other one's on. And they kind of have a synergy in a sense, and they also play in a similar way. So they're keeping the floor space and an activity for the entire 40 minutes, regardless of which one is on the floor. And uh, just kind of seeing the way they're able to operate defensively, but also on offense and floor spacing, and just showing to be on the same page as everybody else and being able to hit – Elizabeth Williams on the high-low passes and things like that. It's been, it's been unbelievable to see, and I'm really looking forward to seeing their dynamics ingratiate themselves furthermore with the team as they track forward. 
Katie, I know you weren't necessarily on the floor with the team in your role um, when you were at the organization, but you know how important that continuity is coming out of training camp when players are coming over from Europe. How, what have you seen from, from those two players that makes them so invaluable? I mean, I think Alana specifically, like, her consistency on the court is ridiculous. She shot 100% in the first game. Like, who does that? You know what I <laughs> right. mean? She, I think I believe, and I will check this, I believe she's still leading the league in, in field goal percentage right now. And that's just ridiculous. Like, you don't expect that um, out of anyone on this team based on where we were put by the by the experts in the preseason. And we'll talk um, about those power rankings later. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't think any of us expected that from Alana Smith. So I think if you can be consistent on the court, your teammates are going to not only appreciate that, they're going to trust you a little bit more. So I think that has been so huge for her um, to really show her teammates that, that they can throw her the ball and she's going to get it in the basket. It doesn't matter where you give it to her. So. Yeah, I know we talked about defense, and defense is important. Like I said, those defensive rankings where this guy uh, came up on metrics. And I think that they are maximizing their transition opportunities for sure. But there were a couple of sequences on Sunday where uh, Phoenix and even Minnesota really, really tried to press them and keep the ball outside the perimeter or trap the ball on the wings. Like, that's, that's a Lynx calling card. But even when they're scrambling, they're able to make the right play. And Alana Smith had a couple of jumpers on the baseline uh, late in the shot clock that she took without hesitation but wasn't rushed, drained them easy. Morgan Birch had a really, really nice cut from the weak side into the lane, spun off a defender, and, and put up a tough layup. I mean, I wasn't expecting this, honestly. I was not expecting to see this from this team. I thought that they would maximize live or die on transition basketball and really focus on opportunities for Kalia Copper and, and Courtney Williams. But you're seeing pretty much a team-wide effort in terms of being able to put the ball in the basket, but also trying to control the boards, stop the ball, get forced turnovers, and get out. I mean, Robin Parks, who is a, you know, a low-rotation player, had a really nice game on Sunday. And... Things are going to change with roster turnover when Izzy comes back, when Marina comes back from her ankle injury. But that 100% top-to-bottom buy-in, Stephen, you talked about it, but it's really come to fruition. I'm, I'm just cautious. So I always want to see it, but I wasn't really expecting it to this level this quickly. And, I mean, when everything is kind of rooted in everybody being bought into one side and allowing for that side to dictate things, being the defensive end, I think naturally that allows for a little more ease and typically if there was a lot more ambiguity, okay, what is our identity going to be? Uh, can I trust her? Can I trust her? What is she going to do in this scenario? I feel like just because everybody's so bought in and everybody understands what the identity is and what James Wade wants them to stamp early on in the season, I think naturally that's going to just allow for things to flow a lot more smoothly. And I think we're seeing the benefits and um, the stemming from that uh, already through two games. I mean – in terms of defensive activity and just their ability to sustain more than anything, like any team can do it in spurts or for a couple of possessions. But the fact that they were able to sustain this level, like I'm not sure if they gave up more than 25 points in the quarter uh, the entire weekend. Which, I don't think so. Which says a lot. And I mean, specifically in the second quarter against Minnesota, they gave up three. Like <laughs> just what team, what other team in the WNBA is doing that? Like seriously, of course, some of that is uh, part of the, the lack of process on the offensive side from Minnesota. But a majority of that is because of how the sky were dictating towards them, taking them out of the things that they wanted to do in the Fisa Collier. Um, they, we talked about Dana Evans pressuring 94 feet on Rachel Bannon or whoever else might be trying to bring a ball up the floor for Minnesota. Like All those little things add up, and then you, you infuse somebody like Rebecca Gardner, an uh, all-world defender, regardless of what side of basketball you're talking about, off the bench. And she's coming in and she's doing the things that she's doing. And then you add somebody like Christina Nigway behind Elizabeth Williams, who is, again, there's no drop-off in terms of activity levels or understanding of where to be and how to be there in the scenarios the teams put you in. It's just, it's just beautiful to see, especially early on in the season. And if this is like the foundation and it's only going to get better from here, I mean, the Sky are going to do what a lot of people don't necessarily pre predict that they'll do based off of the, the experts and their, um, their power rankings and things like that. So, <laughs> We got Trey Five watching the show. Appreciate you, Trey Five. James Wade will be favorite for coach of the year mm -hmm. if he wins with this team. That's something I, I, I feel like that's a good jumping off point because I, in my head, I had Tanisha Wright 
um, for the Atlanta Dream, just based on what she did last year, the fact that they were one game away from the playoffs. I mean, the dominoes had to fall, right? And they didn't that last weekend. But with an, an improved roster, I expect Atlanta to win 24, 25-plus games, and she would be my pick for Coach of the Year. But I guess based on those power rankings, which, again, we're going to keep teasing it. We're going to talk about it. But do you think that that, even after this first weekend, is, is something that holds true? Because that, that kind of idea, if you win with this, with this particular team, whether you call them an island of misfit toys or just kind of the downturn coming off of losing so many superstars, if the Sky um, get to the playoffs and are above a five seed, say, is James Wade coach of the year, Katie? Yeah. No I doubt? Think so. I, I do agree with you. I think it's between Chicago and Atlanta, without a doubt. I think those are the two teams that I'm going to be watching for coach of the year. I think because of everything that we just laid out with not only their three-point performance, but also the fact that they're not winning in transition. Like, that's not something that we expected. Like, it had to have taken so much buy-in from this team to trust James Wade and say, yeah, we're going to do exactly what you're laying out for us on offense. So, yeah, I mean, he would be my coach of the year. If if the season ended right now, just based on the buy-in that we're seeing from this team where he's really challenging their skill set and it's actually working, like, yeah, absolutely, he would be my pick. Steven, Sandy Brondello, um, Becky Hammond, or even, say, um, a coach down in Dallas, if – if they pick it up or if, if like New York wins like 80% of their games, is there anybody you could see beating out those two names? I actually do. And I don't think it'll be, um, I don't think it'll be Vegas or the Liberty that come away with the coach of the year. I think it'll be one of the teams because there's so much variance underneath the third team, which is, I think most people go with the Mystics right. as the third ranked in terms of the early portion of the season. I think it'll be somebody from that four to 10 range, whichever team, because there's so much, um, so much uh, ambiguity for that for that realm of the, the W. I think whichever one of those teams can kind of surprise per se and kind of show that those expectations placed upon them were wrong the most might be the one that comes away with that coaching uh, coach of the year award. I think that could also be for Connecticut uh, Stephanie White. Uh, just the fact that again their team that lost just like the um, the sky they lost a lot of pieces that were integral to their previous rendition. Now they're left with. You know, they got um, Breezy Jones, and then they got Alyssa Thomas there, and then they got Natisha Heidemann, but everybody else outside of DeWanda Bonner is relatively new. Right. You know, they got a new coach. That's a new system. That's an entire new culture that's being established. I don't think they'll see as much drop-off as people are expecting. No, uh, no different than I feel with the Chicago Sky. So I do feel like it could be Stephanie. It could also definitely be James Wade. And I would bet on James Wade, not because of partial uh, biases and things like that, but just because – He's consistently shown to prove doubters wrong and prove expectations, whether they're um, too high or too low, to be even more than what they're expected to be. So I, I can see him doing the same thing again with this team and them being potentially top four or even top three uh, come the season's conclusion. Well, it's going to be an exciting race for Coach of the Year. It's going to be an exciting year in the WNBA at large. The chase for the title is on. And while the best in the WNBA are battling it out, you can get the, all of the regular season. And then once we get August, September, the playoff action at your fingertips with DraftKings Sportsbook and the official sports betting partner of the NBA and the WNBA. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's instantly. Plus, everyone can score in no sweat. Same game parlay every single day during these NBA playoffs and during this WNBA season right now. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, place the same game parlay on any NBA game. If your bet loses, we'll give you a bonus bet back in the amount of your initial bet up to $10. We've got some odds later in the show, but there's good odds. There's two WNBA games tonight. Uh, Connecticut is at Washington and Atlanta is at Minnesota. And uh, that Atlanta-Minnesota game, we're going to come back to the pick of the week later, but that's got some interesting lines in it. So you're going to want to open that at DraftKings Sportsbook app. Again, use the code CHGO when you sign up. Again, use that code CHGO when you sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Download that app now and you'll get $150 in bonus bets instantly only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code CHGO. 
gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes and for offer details and see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Now, Sky Home Openers this weekend, Friday night, and I know if you're like me, you don't necessarily like using a very specific tip ticket offering source that has a ton of fees, a ton of fees, <laughs> fees on fees on fees. It's like you're paying $20 more on top of the $20 that you're spending for the ticket alone. That's why... I myself have liked to use GameTime, the GameTime app, to check Chicago Sky pricing, to check Chicago Sky tickets. Um, I've downloaded the app last week, and I've already been checking on tickets for later this year. And I, like I said again, June 2nd, that first game, Courtney Vandersloot back in Chicago against the Liberty. I'm going to be in there partying it up because that's my birthday weekend, so I expect to see all of y'all there. I know mm. we'll be there for sure. <laughs> But out there, I wanted to see y'all there. Use that code CHGO for the Game Time app. Twenty dollars off, which means your ticket to come see the sky, to come see Sloop come back. Um, hopefully, have a decent game, not a great game. Um, and to see your boy partying it up on Cermak afterwards, it's invaluable. It's like the old Mastercard commercial. It's cost this much for the ticket, but the experience. So use the Game Time app. You can get flash deals, last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets. You can get the image of where your seat's going to be, what the view from your seat will be, and it is the place, the place for last-minute ticket deals. So again, download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem that code CHGO for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate it again. Everybody checking in with us on the CHGO Sky Show as we whip around the WNBA at large. Brittany Griner is back. That is the focal point of the season, of the weekend so far. I know that we've, we're excited about how the Sky are doing, but I, I, I'm, I'm just still amazed, not just that she's back stateside, that she's back home, back with Phoenix, but honestly, that she had such a fire game on Sunday. Like, that was the Brittany Griner that we've been used to seeing for 10 years plus. What was that experience like for, for y'all, just watching the game, uh, the intro that Phoenix did, um, and the way that you knew fans were going to turn out, but the way that you could just feel the palpable energy through, through the TV screen at their excitement, their just joy that BG was back? Uh, for me, I mean, it was... It was heartwarming, but it also kind of made you like pause and just think of her journey the last 10 months, like how unrealistic it, this was based off of her situation that she was in, you know, to see how things kind of slowly unfolded and then eventually got her back stateside. And like you mentioned, her choosing not to rest, but to get back to her humble abode per se. <laughs> And she, she said she's most comfortable on the court, and she didn't want to waste any time getting back to it. Like, obviously, there was going to be a physicality ramp up with her conditioning, right. her feel for the game, all of that stuff. But just to see her back on the court and happy and just really liberated. Like, you could tell playing off of the crowd energy, especially being at home, she was just so free. And she was just free to be herself, and she clearly hadn't been able to be that for quite some time. So to see her be able to have that release and be just worry-free in a sense was just – I mean, for me, it was just beautiful, man. It was beautiful. You couldn't ask for anything more for somebody that's going through so much uh, over the last handful of months. So that was the biggest thing for me. And then in addition to that, the fact that she played and she was dominant, she was the best player on the floor in the game. Like, <laughs> what, like who else could do something like that besides BG? That just speaks to who she is. And then seeing the, um, the responses that players got, um, whether that be the pre-recordings to say, welcome back home, BG, or yeah. somebody like Courtney Williams at halftime, being asked about something pertaining to the game and putting that first question aside to say something pertaining to BG. And then, uh, of course, the on-court antics with her <laughs> kind of ingratiating her and everything. It was just fun to see, man. It was fun. Katie, how, what did, I know we, we talked in, in the, just in our, in our warm-up for the show, but what were you feeling on Sunday? I mean, it's, it's so emotional to see, and I think 
Phoenix did so right by her. Like, just seriously, shout out to the entire team there. The arena, her her PR staff, everybody, they put together such a beautiful, like, moment for her to just be home and be on the court. And I agree, it was seeing her free. And there was even a moment post-game where, you know, she's talking about a loss and she's talking about, like, de- being disappointed and losing. And I was like, that's so cool. But, like, <laughs> that's, like, her biggest problem right now. Like, that is so beautiful that that she can just focus on – you know, being annoyed that she lost a basketball game. Like we, like, I think a lot of the times we forget that sports are fun. And in a moment like that, you're like, that's her biggest problem. It's just a basketball game. And that's so cool that, that she can focus on that and she's home and she's safe. And yeah, just, just so emotional to see. And it's really cool to see the people around the league that are lifting her up and, and really celebrating the fact that she's back and dominant and being her usual self. So yeah, you saw the Sky players um, at the beginning of the game all gave her a hug before the opening tip, and then Kalia Copper talked about her um, at the, after that first quarter, just in the sideline interview with Holly Rowe, and she talked about how she made you know made the Kalia Copper move down the baseline, just shook free, and then BG just like ignored the rim, just came over, clean block. She's like, yeah, that was like the welcome back BG, you know. <laughs> Usually that'd be a free layup, but <laughs> Brittany's back, and it is. I don't think I understood what that meant, not just her, but what basketball meant to her because y'all are right. She was free on the court. Like I said, if I was her, I would have just been home. I wouldn't have come out of the house. If I did, I would have just walked around the neighborhood, kind of gotten those like easy things back. But the easy thing is the hard thing. The easy thing for her is like the hard thing for most of us, being a professional player. But that is just like a routine you can come back to and just go at it, go at it, go at it, and focus. And it was more, I don't think it was ever more evident than Sunday. 27 10, four blocks. Her continuity with Diana Taurasi was just so much there. It was really amazing to watch. It was really amazing to watch. It was. And I think also James Wade, who had a, a relationship prior to everything that transpired with Brittany. Um, just seeing how open, like we know James Wade to be somewhat militant in terms of his approach to the game just because he cares about winning so much that he won't really deviate from the emotional or the emotional attachment to basketball to show attention to other things. But the fact that he was seeing, you know, kind of breaking that stillness pregame, seeing BG running up to her, giving her a hug, and of course just, you know, saying hi to a friend who he hasn't seen in a long time who was obviously heavy on his mind and his conscience and his emotion and feelings. Um, I think that was as clear of an indicator as anything else. And then you also talk about Kalia Copper being maybe the fiercest competitor on the women's side of basketball, again, breaking that and speaking and you seeing the emotion coming out of her as well. I think it was just great to see. I also think that seeing the, um, the camera pan around the arena and seeing uh, at Footprint Center, seeing um, new owner Matt Ishbia sitting with her wife, and yeah. um, seeing her parents there, her parents, her parents, yeah, her parents having not seen her play, I think they said since high school, since high school, if I'm not person. mistaken, because of medical conditions and things like that, that just all made the moment just that much more just wholesome and just like you really have to detach from the game and just appreciate, you know, what was going on in terms of the reingratiation of Brittany and how impactful her presence is on the league as a whole. And they even see NBA players like they had Kevin Durant pictures taken with her um, shaking up with him upon returning back home at the practice facility. Other NBA players tweeting out about um, welcome back home, BG. Like, her reach is it's unreal. It's unreal. And I think it's going to only magnify, you know, stemming from her situation and being back home now. Like, it's easy for us to talk about basketball, but I saw a lot of discourse um, either online or in person in the time that she was, was in prison. And there was just a lot of stuff that, that had people – you know, going this way or that way. And it's, one, is good that we can get back to the basketball now. But I want to make sure the importance of this is known. Not everybody was in favor of that prisoner swap. It was BS. Like, those, that discourse, those comments were BS. Like, this is a, not only just a person that you need to get back, but this is an important person in terms of what she does in Phoenix, in terms of what she does um, in Texas, in terms of what she does and what she means to this league and this group of people. Like, a, sec- a segment of people at large in the U.S., in the world, were really focused on getting Brittany Griner, wanting Brittany Griner to come back home. I want to shout out Maya Goldberg, Safir, friend of mine, friend of the show, friend of the WNBA for that campaign, the free BG um, clothing and the buttons that she put out there and made sure that that stayed in the consciousness. So yeah, 
the fact that we can get back to the to the idea of how the sky are going to game plan for the next time they play the Mercury instead of thinking about all the other stuff. You know, we're lucky. We're lucky about that. Speaking of game planning, super teams in the WNBA didn't really disappoint. Um, I suppose the Liberty did um, have to deal with a revamped Washington Mystics on their opening game, but they looked all the part of possible champions uh, playing the Indiana Fever. And Las Vegas, um, of course, won their matchup as well very handily. Uh, aside from the fact that we are getting used to seeing Candace Parker and Courtney Vandersloot in completely different uniforms, um, and for the moment, not talking about any of the off-the-court stuff that has gone on with Las Vegas, what did you both think of their performance this weekend? Katie, uh, we'll start with you. Um, I mean, first of all, it's hard to not look like champions against the fever, right? Like, I just want to acknowledge that. <laughs> first of all, <laughs> sorry, Indiana, I just want to make sure that's out there. Um, but I think... I, I think you're seeing just how dominant Las Vegas is. And I had a lot of concerns. I think other people had concerns like, is this actually going to work? Like, is there going to be a learning curve here? There's no learning curve. They're here. <laughs> they're ready. They're, I mean, the, the monster, the giant, whatever you want to call them, they're here. And somebody's got to figure out something to do. Otherwise, they're undefeated all season. It's insane. Um, with the Liberty, uh, I like to call them like super team junior because they're still a super team. But I think we are seeing a little bit of the learning curve with them. Um, they're generally a little bit younger than Las Vegas. And I think when you have, you're still trying to mesh Sabrina and Courtney, I think there's a little bit there that they're still working on. Um, I'm terrified of Las Vegas. I think that was my takeaway. And I think you're seeing little cracks in the Liberty, but I think they're going to figure it out and they're going to be just as terrifying within the next couple of weeks. So. Steven, I know um, Las Vegas right now, just statistically, you have, they've had one game, but they have, I think, a plus 40 margin in terms of, uh, net rating it's going to happen when you win 105 64 for sure but just the personnel they have on the team and what they're able to do I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar net rating at least for the first month of the season do you see anything in in Las Vegas's array right now that teams would be able to exploit or are they just going to be a matchup nightmare all season long well it's too soon to say now and <laughs> you brought the context of playing Indiana like you know, but <laughs> nonetheless, yes, there. This team, this team is going to be a juggernaut. It's going to be a, a task, and then some to weed your way through figuring out what pressure points you can hit against this team on the offensive side, and what can you exploit on the defensive side to make them somewhat uncomfortable. Uh, we saw uh, Asia Wilson didn't have her best game per se in terms of scoring, but guess what? Jackie Young did. <laughs> so it's like, okay, cool. You might have tasked yourself with taking something away or potentially. Um, just altering the the um, the approach of Asia Wilson as a scorer potentially. Okay, cool. But then you got Kelsey Plum to deal with. You still got Chelsea Gray to deal with. You still got Jackie Young. And guess what? They got Alicia Clark coming off the bench on top of all of this. So there's like it's so much stuff with this team that's going on. Uh, it's gonna be tough to it's gonna be tough to even just compete with them, let alone beat them. Um, I think I do think the more film that gets um, generated in terms of games played will naturally lend itself to teams at least testing the waters on different schemes and things like that to throw at them again on both sides of the ball to figure out what they could potentially exploit based off of what they have in house. Um, so that's going to be fun to see in um, terms of seeing how other teams go about approaching the Vegas Aces. But in terms of the New York Liberty, I do think that something that's going to work against them at least early in the season is the continuity dynamic. You have other teams that have players that have been playing together for longer. A lot of teams have had turnover, but you, you mentioned the Mystics. Of course, the Mystics added pieces, but at the same time, they have a core that's been in place, and they've been through the fire a few times together. That's naturally going to help you get out the gate quicker than a team that's still trying to figure out what their identity is, what the offensive process is, where players like the ball at. All those little things that kind of add up over the course of a season in terms of figuring out. Whereas D.C., though they do have a new coach in place, they know who their leader is, they know who their best player is, and everybody else kind of falls in line under that. And I do think even with the Chicago Sky, like, they have new pieces as well. But I think that the fact that you have your best player, being Kalia Copper, and, of course, James Wade being in place, that's going to naturally allow for your continuity to kind of be expedited in terms of figuring out how the rest of the pieces around your team fit. So I do think the Liberty will be in the way of everybody at the end of the season, but early on, there might be some hiccups when Brianna Stewart is not scoring 45 points in three quarters. <laughs> three quarters, man. Like, <laughs> she had 30 at the – it was at least 30 at the half. 
And I know it's Brianna Stewart, but <laughs> still, man, for her to be scoring a well, it was like it. I expect more out of like this is the the year that you expect to see some things start to mesh with Indiana, right? And. I had them in my tier of have fun, you know, when you can. Because you're going to see Indiana pull out some surprising wins. They're going to get more than five wins. But, my God, man, they were just stifled. Pretty much other than Nalissa Smith and um, a few a few uh, moves that Aaliyah Boston had down there. I, I like what I've seen from Aaliyah Boston out yes. there on top for sure. But um, Indiana looked all the part of a team that's still in their second year of a rebuild against New York and for Brianna Stewart to just be scoring at every level like that that Barclays arena I think just the way that that arena set up the way that they've put in for marketing the changes that they've made that might be one of the tougher places to play on top of the fact that you have to play that specific team this year I mean that environment was made for her right like that is so perfect I just at what point do you invoke the mercy rule with Brianna Star? I'm being dead serious. Like, that's so hard to – how do you contain her? And then when the crowd is behind her, that that setup was made for her. And it's going to be so tough for anyone to play there, and especially to beat them there. That's going to be so tough. And we haven't we haven't even said a word about Sabrina Ionescu. We haven't yeah. even mentioned John Coyle Jones. No. We haven't talked about Kayla Thornton. No. We haven't talked about Marine Johannes, who's obviously not here yet, but still, I she's going to be there. I think the word is that, yeah, she's coming back. So. We, haven't, like, we didn't even really see Han Zhu play that much, and we, see, we know how much of an impact player she was for that team last season. Like, they still have a lot of stuff to figure out, but the fact that they have arguably the best player in the W, depending on how you want to rank it, she's no less than number two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Sabrina Ionescu, obviously Vandersloot, to play in addition to all of that, it's, it's going to be tough to deal with. Um, so you just got to kind of hope and pray against teams like that. <laughs> or 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 you got to hope that you have a stable of dogs, like we mentioned in the preview pod, that the Sky having. So to kind of go against this team, like I don't care about what you got off the court. I don't care about your facilities. I don't care about all of these uh, shiny new toys and all of this stuff you got. You still got to come see us for 40 minutes on the court, and you can only have five players on the floor at one time. So the playing field is going to be level in terms of that. And we're going to roll the ball out, say check it up, and let's see what let's see about it. I feel like if James Wade is listening to the show, he just took all that down <laughs> and put it in. Like he's going to say that exact thing at the next press conference. Because that's, that's, that's that was like, beautiful. Exactly yeah. like a James Wade quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of power rankings, I know we teased it earlier. The Sky were preseason um, ranked 11 and now in the next ESPN poll. And, it, you know, it's tough because um, – M.A. Vopel does, the, does a lot of the ESPN WNBA coverage. And um, they had this guy moving up, I think, to fourth this week. But just the way – just real quick, like how do you all feel about power rankings? Is it just a conversation generator or is it really something that you can look to and say, okay, this is – this actually means what, we, what it's saying. Like, these are the teams and how they're ranked best to worst. Or is it really just so people have conversation fodder? It's conversation. That's a, it's, it, I honestly think we write these things so that we can get up here and talk about it. And, like, this is, it's a great conversation to have because I am curious to see where people think that these teams rank. But at the end of the day, like, what are we really – basing it off of like vibes you know it's like a vibe drinking so i i i don't put a lot of stock into it personally summertime's here you know we got to think about the, the vibes, vibes yeah. i think vibes should be an official stat so i'm with you but yeah <laughs> on the chgo cubs show vibes is a stat vibes we have the, yeah, yeah we have the vibes. del mendo uh get vibes. Okay. scale there and we use the vibes for that show yeah so <laughs> Steven, they know wanna, they know <laughs> i want to hear your thoughts but then we're going to try and we're going to rank the top three teams in terms of vibes so far after this I mean, and I've personally done, um, like, power rankings for the NBA and for the W. Um, I get it, but I feel like there's no value to it past, like, general perception, seeing what people think about the league as a whole. And on the other side of it, it's just bulletin board material for the teams that I feel like they're being slighted, and which is going to be every other team in the league, men or women's side, that's not number one or number two. So I think it's one of those two things, but it does definitely generate conversation. For better or for worse. So, yeah. <laughs> we had our man in the Sky Show, Shy, following the show, said exactly that. Power rankings, just conversation generator, plus team motivation, LOL. So, hit it right on it, Steven. You know, 
the teams that have been ranked low, Dallas won uh, the game this weekend, and they dropped in the power rankings. So you know Latricia Trammell is going to probably have that up on the board. Like, hey, they're already disrespecting it. I think every team just has a hashtag of that means some disrespect in some way. When you know Connecticut has theirs because it lends itself most to that. But um, I, what is it? Discurtis guy. I saw that from Robococo. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I saw that one. Okay. Uh, thanks, man. Always good to have you on here. USMO 506. I'm hoping this start leads to a great season. And they don't bulls it up. Ugh, that's tough. Mm. That's tough in that there. That kind of hurts. I think it's too soon, right? Mm. I mean, they, too soon. you know. It hurts. Yeah, we won't. I won't talk about that. I, <laughs> that bull season hurt me, too. Um, let's get to our DraftKings pick of the week. We got a good one tonight. Again, Atlanta at Minnesota. And the Dream currently on DraftKings are a plus 115 underdog. And again, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it every two weeks. The handicappers might know, might not know some things that you all do. And Ryan Howard is playing tonight, so I'm not sure what the news was. But y'all can take that one to the bank. Put your, put your money on the money line. Atlanta plus 115 against the Lynx. I like we, we saw Minnesota Friday night, and I know they've got some work to do, but I fully expect Atlanta to be a contending playoff team this year, and contending playoff teams have to win on the road. So no Nia Coffee for Atlanta, no Natalia Chanwa for Minnesota, but if, am I wrong here? No, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. Like, I, I think we can trust Minnesota later in the season. Right now I don't trust them. I trust Atlanta much more, so I'm with you. I mean, I feel like we saw Atlanta get off to a slow start against Dallas. However, they did pick it up over the course of the game. And they really came to really threatening Dallas in terms of that big lead that they got out to when Enrique was doing her thing. Mm -hmm. uh, they really showed some continuity. Alicia Gray did her thing, of course. And then, of course, Ryan Howard was being Ryan Howard. So I do feel like they're going to be a team that really pressures other teams in terms of dictating with their pace and how they – Decide to play style of play wise, so I think that's a safe bet. And you can shout out the CSGO Sky Show when you get that money too. Yo, hey, hey, when you do it, when you when you win that bet, you got to put it on Twitter and tag us. You got to tag the show. It's like gambling when you know you're gonna win. <laughs> exactly. Um, our last bit today, uh, Stephen, I saw from you, and I know um, now that now that the WNBA is back in in, in swing, we're gonna get talk about announcers, which is always a topic of conversation, um, especially for national games. I really love what the what ESPN has done in terms of their anchor desk coverage over the last few seasons, getting Renee Montgomery in, um, getting Monica McNutt in, LaChina Robinson, play, play, people who are just indispensable to talking about this game. But there's, as always, some focus on uh, biases that might be there. Rebecca Lobo being a Connecticut grad and the way that she discusses Connecticut players. And um, Ryan Rocco and just, you know, the way that they run through the show. I honestly, myself, haven't had a problem with, I, I like Ryan and Rebecca. I think they do a good, I think they do good work together. But there's always room to get new faces in. And Steven, you specifically had a couple of people that you'd want to see on the national broadcast doing national games this year. And not just, you know, the games the games of the week that come up Saturday, Sunday afternoon, like the big time matchups. So who was that? Yeah, for me it was Andrea Carter and Monica McNutt. I mean, we see them do great things in terms of generally uh, promoting the women's side of basketball. We see them doing big time things on the college circuit, um, promoting players bringing players that might not necessarily get in the spotlight that they deserve because of uh, whatever program they might be at, uplifting them, bringing them to the national spotlight, doing the same thing with just programs in general. And I feel like they can do, and they've shown that they can, um, in previous seasons, do the same thing with the W. And they can take their, um, their next level, analyze another game, break it down to a decimal, essentially making it as easily understandable to even the most novice of a basketball fan and helping them expand their knowledge. And do that in real time and just make the general entertainment value that comes with analyzing the game with commentary in real time and just making it that much better and also bringing a fresh voice. You know, for anybody that plays sports, or even if your parents are consistently on you when you were younger, you kind of get tired of hearing the same voices over and over again. And if there's multiple voices, that breaks up that type of feel. And it also allows for you to promote the many different talents in that media space that you do have at your disposal. 
if you're a broadcasting team like ESPN or a platform like ESPN, rather. So I feel like they have so many talents at their disposal, they should kind of more evenly disperse them. And it's going to just help to make the, uh, the product of the W that much more uh, digestible and uh, enjoyable, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've liked Andrea Carter uh, the last few years when I've heard her just discussing the game in, in pretty much any facet. And her the way that she's come up is, is really cool, too. Um, I, I didn't get to watch the game, but they had um, not just an all-female, an all-Canadian um, team on that oh, Sky right. Lynx game on that's the right. game in Toronto. So I would, I would really like to see Andrea Carter get some of those Liberty games, some of those Aces games, some of those Sky games that are going to be nationally televised this year. Uh, Katie, anybody that you'd want to put up in there and just get, hey, we want to see that either play-by-play on the national broadcast? I mean, I'm generally rolling with Monica McNutt. I think she's so good at her job. I think you could put her in any role and she would excel. Like, I, I'm here for it. I think I don't have a ton of beef with Ryan and Rebecca. I do think they lean more, like, old-school biased, as in they're a little bit more biased toward, like, Diana Taurasi. They love Diana Taurasi. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan. But I think what a lot of fans are craving now is they want to hear a little bit more about the newer players that are coming into the league because we want to, you know, highlight those people as well. So I, I get the criticism, but, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with Monica McNutt always. You know, I, I agree with that. And I think that's a good point. There, like, Sue is retired now. DT is – you can really see that she's at that kind of twilight in her career. And we have so many great players that are on the come up. Like, like we saw Shook. Like, I really, really, really like Shook Sutton on Sunday. He's so fast, man. Man. I've never seen a player that I thought optically is equally as fast as Dana with the ball. Right. And Shook was, like, when Dana was pressing her full court, Shook was getting even with her or breaking that leverage at times. And that's rare. Yeah. <laughs> like, Mariah Jefferson we talked yes. about with, with Phoenix, too. She's What's got up? that new, new, scene, new change of scenery. Um, we're going to see that with Alicia Gray. Um, we're going to see that with Beck Allen up in, up in Connecticut. So I think you're right. People want to see, want to hear about those players as well. Um, I was just thinking, I had, I think back in the day, I, something about Doris, Doris Burke's commentary rubbed me the wrong way. But I would love to see Doris Burke on a WNBA game. I, going back, really listening to it, she brought a lot. She brought a lot in terms of breaking the game down and evaluating what teams were doing in the moment in a very clear and concise way that I think you don't get necessarily from a lot of the color analysts who are, who are former coaches. Um, and I, I really, my appreciation of Doris has deepened from when I was a dumb best. college student. She's the best, man. Uh, the, sky, the Sky Show Shy. Sky franchise like Chris Pennant do a Sky radio broadcast. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping, man. I'm hoping. Um, last thing from the Chicago Sky Central, agreed power rankings are just to start conversation, especially if it's a major outlet pushing it for sure. Uh, but they got those first two wins. Need to keep gaining momentum because the schedule gets tough real quick for sure. Um, they've got a, not gimmies. There's Dallas and Indiana mixed in there, but that Liberty home and home is the June 2nd and 4th. And the season opener on Friday is the Mystics, right? They got yeah, the Mystics coming in. Be fun. Yeah, so it's going to get tough quick. Coming back to the, to the shy. That's always fun. And they've got this, this long four-day break, which is welcome. But after that, they don't have another three-day break until mid-June. So it's going to be beholden on the sky to keep this momentum going. Katie Duffy, thank you for coming on the show so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Steven, always a pleasure to have you on. Um, again, this is the CHGO Sky Show presented by DraftKings. Once again, one more time, use that code CHGO when you sign up for $20 off for $150 in bonus bets. And again, that pick of the week, man. <laughs> get your money up. You're going to get your money up. Take the dream against the Lynx in Minnesota tonight. For all three of us, this has been the CHGO Sky Show. We'll see you soon.